Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, joining me, a Raptors Republic regular. He also writes for The Guardian, Toronto Star, Sportsnet, Yahoo Sports, and more. It's Oren Weisfeld. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You know, just another another week at the old the old uh, job, as they call it. The old desk at but home. The old <laughs> desk at home. I actually never work from here other than to do podcasts and such. I work from my couch primarily. Mm. Today I went to the cafe, did some work there. But uh, yeah, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. It's, sometimes it's good to get out. I sometimes write at a cafe. Yeah. Um, but then I bought myself like a proper espresso machine. And then it's like I can have really good coffee at home. That changes mm. things. And then sometimes yeah. I do right on the couch uh, right behind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It, looks, it looks like a good writing couch, honestly. Thank you. Yeah, That's yeah. I'm, deba- I'm debating putting a wallpaper on this wall behind me, actually. Really? Yeah. Instead of all the, Instead the collage of all- you have going? Yeah. Wow. Or do both. Have wallpaper. Wow. Get and really have- wacky. Get and some cats have- while you're at it. <laughs> and then have some of the pictures on top of the wallpaper. That would be wacky, but yeah, might look I cool. Yeah, I know. I don't that's have that creative my... of a mind. I'm a very simple man. That's a, that's how my brain works. Um, speaking, well, okay, we got to talk about this thumb situation that you have. Speaking of how your brain works, yeah, my <laughs> brain doesn't work too good. Yeah. Uh, or it is here. Showing up to the podcast despite an OG and Anobi style injury. Uh, we appreciate right. you. Two, actually. I have two OGs and Anobi style injuries. I'm banged up this week, but, uh, you know, I'm playing hurt. I'm playing hurt today. Um, <laughs> as I told you before, I dropped a space heater on my toe. And so I have a toe injury and I cut myself, but I don't have bandages. So I got like a contraption here. A contraption of sorts. Yeah. Yep. Well, we appreciate it. Make sure keep an eye on it. Make sure it's actually uh, working. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, just gotta play hard for the team. Doesn't matter if you're hurt. Just gotta go out there anyways and show yeah. up for the guys. You know. I think if like you lost your contacts, that would be like the ultimate OG and Anobi experience. <laughs> right. But I, I, I don't have any seeing issues. Yeah, which is okay. a lot of other issues. Yeah. You're just going (laughs) to leave us hanging? Yeah. I have other. I mean, yeah. We don't need to get into. You're not my therapist. No, 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 I'm not. Um, But post therapy, Catherine is like a really good hang. I have to say, I I feel like I'm a bit different. Like if I hang out with friends immediately after therapy, it's like we're really locked in, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. Me too. Um, okay, let's get into it. Let's start with talking about the in-season tournament. It's officially starting on December 4th, which is coming up. And we have our matchups locked in. We have on Monday the Celtics at Pacers, and then we have the Pelicans at Kings. On Tuesday, we have Knicks at Bucks, and then Suns at Lakers. Is this like how do you feel about the in-season tournament? Is this how you more or less saw things shaping up. What have you been surprised by? Give us the lowdown. Yeah, I was hesitant to kind of embrace it at first. Um, 
just because like I'm going to watch the regular season anyways and enjoy it. And I felt like there was a level of unnecessary like showmanship to this that maybe was going to distract from the games. You know, it's worked out really well. I think in terms of the actual games, they've been really good. But I definitely have some complaints. Like, I think the whole point differential tiebreak just became way too convoluted on the last day to a point where, like, I didn't enjoy it, to be honest. And I think Mm. they need to find a better way to do the tiebreak. If that means, you know, making fewer groups and then just having one winner in each group, you know, like six groups, say, and then each winner moves on and two of those teams gets a bye um something like that where it's just like head to head is the tiebreaker rather than point differential i really didn't like it because a it was convoluted and b we saw stuff with like hack a drummond and like right. i honestly side with the players who complained like not there's definitely levels to it like the siakam shot against chicago with DeRozan getting mad like i didn't really understand that one but on the last day it went too far i think in a lot of the games where it's just like this isn't the way the game is meant to be played. Like once you're winning, you're winning. That's just kind of how it's always been in the NBA. I don't, I don't love the idea of like, it's just a big change to do point differential. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe guys will get used to it, but personally, I think they should find a different way to do the tiebreaker, but otherwise, yeah, I think the in season tournament has worked out really well. I think the other thing I complain about is that, it ends too soon for some teams. Like you only play four games and after one, you could legit be like out of it yeah, for all yeah. intents and purposes. And then you're just playing on this cool court for no reason. So maybe like more games uh, so that teams aren't eliminated as quickly, but it's the first year and I'm sure they're going to make adjustments. Yeah, I agree. I also think too, just like the timing of it, being in November then ending early December I feel like it's going to have this like lull from like December into like you know post all-star break Mm -hmm. and I feel like what's going to keep that part of the season exciting you know what I mean yeah I I think the NBA's bet is like that once we get past a certain point people are just interested anyways um but I get what you're saying. Like, there's going to be a little bit of a new boringness to it because there's no more in NC. There's no more in season tournament, and and we kind of got used to the in season tournament every week. Yeah, I mean, I guess from like a news cycle perspective, maybe like the trade deadline will replace a lot of those uh, conversations. Yeah, but that's like February. Yeah, it's a long ways away. I agree um pacers and celtics i feel like you know we all sort of expected the celtics to be here i feel like the pacers are a little bit of a surprise i mean you know just based on Mm -hmm. kind of like this random like sample sized games but i feel like that's really exciting for them yeah i think it's good that there are some surprises like if it was only chalk the whole way through and the best teams just moved on honestly i wouldn't be nearly as interested like The Pacers are the real surprise from the East and in the West. We have the Pelicans. I think that's a big surprise. And the Kings. I hope one of those teams makes a real run here because yeah, like obviously Lakers Celtics would be cool in the final, but I almost feel like if one of these young up and coming teams won it or, or got to the final, it would be even more exciting. Um, Just, 
as a way of like introducing casual fans to these new teams. Like everyone knows Jason Tatum and LeBron James. Mm-hmm. De'Aaron Fox is like a guy. Tyrese Halliburton. Like these are guys who like maybe casual fans don't know that well. And I think it could be a really good platform to show that, these guys. That's such a fun like finale too, especially because of the big trade that they had. Oh, that would be amazing. Right? Yeah. Like that I adds even to mean, that storyline. Yeah. I, I would, would absolutely sick. love that. Because um, yeah. people have talked about that being like one of the most successful trades for like both teams. Yeah. Um, I hope the script writers are listening to this. <laughs> That's a yeah, I mean, idea. listen, if, if NBA script writers are real, please hire me. Uh, I'm a really good writer. And yeah. <laughs> I love the NBA. But yeah, I, I agree. I think having the younger, you know, the more up and coming teams, because it really feels like, you know, there's a new generation here at this point in the NBA. And I feel like, yeah, I agree. It'd be great to see them have this platform and that's ultimately going to be really good for the league. Uh, I would love to see them uh, advance. I do think the Celtics are somewhat poised to win this thing. Um, I, I would consider them the heavy favorites, but it would be really, really exciting to see some sort of a spoiler. Yeah, and we also might get Celtics Bucks in the second round, which would be really mm-hmm. cool because that was kind of everyone's expectation of the best two teams in the East coming into the season. And I think it would be a really good like playoff preview where we'd actually see like playoff rotations, mm-hmm. you know, playoff minutes, and um, it would it would be like good film to see to preview an eventual seven game series between the two teams. Um, but yeah, you know, I'll be I'll be rooting on Boston's downfall as usual, but we'll see. <laughs> I hope you're wrong. Thank you. You know what? I hope as a Raptors fan, I hope I'm wrong, too. I'm not rooting for Celtics success. Yeah. And I'm not betting on it. I'm not a I'm not a better. Not 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 a live, not a not a live gambler per se. Uh doing fantasy though for the first time this year. I went from dead last in my league to 10th. Not bad. 12th to 10th. That's where I'm at right now. Um, okay, let's talk about this. Is kind of like a funny thing that happened, but I think it kind of speaks to something possibly a bit larger. And that is so Luka Doncic was uh you know called for a flopping violation. Uh, that happened on Tuesday uh, against the Rockets. And then the league decided to fine him after the fact for $2,000 for a play that happened earlier in the first quarter where he shot three over Dylan Brooks while falling down, what appeared to be no contact. Anyways, uh, he ended up showing up to practice dressed as a referee and then posted those pictures just as he uh, got the fine. Now, to make it clear, he's not dressed as a NBA ref. He's dressed as like a footlocker, like black and white stripes type shirt. I've seen better costumes, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's the it, it's like he's clearly mocking the refs. And I just feel like, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. You're allowed to, you know, always allowed to disagree. But I feel like, you know, between this, between like, you know, last week we talked a lot about like Chris Paul saying that like, you know, he's, you know, he feels like it's personal between him and Scott Foster. Like, it just feels like there is this growing animosity towards the refs that we are seeing players like outwardly express in a way I don't feel like we've quite seen before. Yeah, I think um, it started last season 
even at least me paying attention to it with the Fred Van Vliet rant, right? Where he mm. went at Ben Taylor about how some refs just kind of take over the game and make it about them and won't listen to your side of things mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think definitely in the last couple of years, it's it's gotten worse. You know, I don't know how to how to say if there's more tension between individual players and refs, but I do think like the, the refs are not doing a good job. I'll just say that like Moda Keel had a good rant about this. If people listen to the athletic NBA show, the nerder she wrote episode recently, like it's just getting so hard to play defense and, and refs are just giving up way too many of these like, tech like touch fouls or guys with unnatural shooting motions just trying to like bait fouls and i think i've seen a lot of games this year where the refs are just over calling things and doing a pretty bad job of like managing the game because it's just getting out of hand to the point where there's like 50 foul calls 50 free throws in a game nobody wants to watch that so like as an nba there has to be some change i think in how the rules are interpreted um but it is also on some of the players to take some responsibility like luca is a guy who does like bait contact all the time and like exaggerates a touch foul all the time so that's part of the reason it's so hard for these refs to call it but uh to me just something has to change because i i enjoy watching like international basketball so much because you don't see these touch fouls and mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt the flow of the game as much as it does in the NBA. I remember like the other day, the Lakers played the Sixers and I literally like saw it on the box score. And I was like, I don't really want to watch this game because these are two slow plotting teams that get to the free throw line constantly. And this is what the game is going to be. And it's just like some teams, it's so bad to watch. So I don't know about like animosity between ref and player, but definitely as a fan, I don't like it. Interesting. I mean, I I feel like you're right in that it's hard to measure exactly like has animosity grown because I also think like we're also in an era where like there's more content, there's more, you know, there's more player interviews, there's more avenues for people to express themselves. You know, in the past, like maybe this animosity was the same, but people just didn't have as many outlets to show it. So, you know, that could very well be true, but it just feels like it's growing. And I think like your frustrations as a fan or, you know, as an observer of basketball, very real. And I'm sure other people are feeling that as well. Yeah. I personally, as somebody who's watched basketball for a very long time, I feel like it's growing. It could Mm -hmm. just be me, but I definitely feel like it's growing. And it's definitely something to watch out for because if players keep speaking up about the refs and they just keep getting fined left and right, like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to hear more and more people um wanting the refs to be held accountable i feel like that wasn't a conversation Mm -hmm. that wasn't had to the same level in the past like you know will these refs get fined for really bad calls and i mean they don't make the same amount of money so i think that would have to be uh adjusted somewhat but yeah i I mean i don't know it's definitely interesting to me i feel like it is growing and yeah it's it's bizarre in a way dressing up as a ref i feel like i've never been someone to subscribe to being like i'm so petty 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you look at me. Like I'm it. so petty and like I'm it. so funny. I'm not, I've never been that person. <laughs> you know, I never really subscribed to that. I don't know. I feel like that was like a phase on the internet that was bigger maybe like a year or two ago. But yeah, I, I've never been that person. But I guess Luca is. Yeah. Is I, I don't know. I haven't either. But um, yeah, it's a tricky situation because definitely it's harder than ever to ref because the game is played at such a fast pace now. And guys have so many tricks to bait fouls. Um, but the animosity probably just comes from a place of like guys feeling like the game's not ref very well. And I don't know what the solution is. That's kind of the issue. Mm-hmm. Other than a different interpretation of the rules. And if that happens, guys will not expect to get a foul call for like tiki taka contact. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my solution to it. Yeah, and the timing of it, too, because it's like it's not just the ticky tack fouls, but it's also like the inconsistency mm-hmm. of those calls. Like, like that Pacers Raptors game where OG got fouled, got called for a foul on the Tyrese Halliburton drive and they challenged it um, like that was a ridiculous call. Like, yeah, he had his hand on his hip, but that was like minimal, minimal contact with 30 seconds left in a close game to call that. um I just don't think is like the right interpretation of the rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I, I totally yeah. respect that. Um, another thing that's come up in the NBA is that Mark Cuban is selling his ownership stake of the Dallas Mavericks out of an evaluation of $3.5 billion. Um, he is going to remain uh, a part of the team in terms of like being a voice for basketball operations. Um, there is <laughs> what has been referred to as a casino family, uh, the Adelson family, uh, who are looking to buy uh, his stake. And it's it's uh to me it's interesting so apparently they're going to sell their shares in las vegas sands corp uh in order to buy the share of the mavericks I las think- vegas sands corp sounds like a james bond villains like it doesn't sound like a real corporation yeah yeah I agree. It sounds like something out of, yeah, like out of James Bond or Ocean's Eleven or something. Um, But that's what it's called. And they're selling their shares in that so they can buy this majority stake of the Mavericks. I mean, I guess like in a way it wouldn't be a conflict of interest if they are no longer a part of the gambling community. But I personally think it's interesting for someone with such close ties to gambling to become part of the ownership group uh, for a team. Uh, I, maybe it's nothing, but mm-hmm. to me, I feel like that's got to be something because there's only so many billionaires in the world. They all know each other, <laughs> I assume. And, uh, you know, like to me, like the Mark Cuban thing is, you know, it's interesting, but it's also like it's a billionaire having more billions of dollars. Good for you, I guess. Yeah, I think um, there was also reporting that him and that family were already before this, like in talks to build like a big casino arena situation together Mm. um, before this. And and I was saying to you, like, sports betting is illegal in Texas, but that might change. So there's all these weird things going on. 
but I don't really honestly know what to say about it until there's more information. Um, it seems weird for sure at first glance that, that Mark Cuban is getting this money, but yet he's getting to stay on as the head of basketball operations. Like that's so rarely the case where you kind of can have your cake and eat it too in a sale like this. But, um, maybe, maybe that's real. Maybe it's not. I don't know if you have anything else to say about the gambling part of it before I say something else. No, go ahead. I I think the most interesting thing that hasn't been discussed at all, and maybe it's because this gambling sidebar is like, remember when Mark Lazary sold like a portion of the Milwaukee Bucks in the summer mm-hmm. and everyone rushed to go like, oh my God, maybe he knows something about Giannis. Maybe Giannis is leaving and that's why he's selling it to get out ahead of you know, what would devalue the franchise if, if Giannis left. Why is no one saying the same thing about Luca? Like, Ooh. this is a guy we've speculated Ooh. about leaving for a long time already. And Mark Cuban would know better than anybody about how Luca feels long-term with Dallas. So I do think it's worth speculating if that could factor into it. Because if Luca leaves, like, the Dallas Mavericks will plummet in their, you know, they don't have a lot else going for them other mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. So that is definitely something that came to my mind. And I, I, I think it's fair to wonder if we wondered the same thing about Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, I think like, um, I don't know if in Milwaukee, like he stayed on board in any sort of role or capacity with the team. Yeah, I don't think so. So I think that's, that's a bit of a key difference, but you're right. I mean, he, you know, Luca possibly leaving is definitely a big concern. There's a lot riding on this season for them. I also think too, like kind of going back to our earlier topic, like he has like a reputation for being like a bit of a brat, mm-hmm. right? Especially with refs, but also in other circumstances. It happened in FIBA as well. Like he couldn't stop complaining. And yeah. I wonder if like that's going to be his like Achilles heel in a way, like if that's going to come back to bite him. Or not, yeah. especially like if they go deep into the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, that is, I, I don't know if that's a play in this or not. I mean, I think maybe Mark Cuban's also just been doing this for a long time. And $3.5 billion sounds like a pretty solid evaluation to me. I mean, who's turning that down? So maybe he's just yeah. moving on. He's also leaving Shark Tank. Yeah, I know. So that makes it interesting, too, in terms of what are his other plans. Aiden Moss of Raptors Republic also had an interesting point on this where he thinks that Mark Cuban is getting out before the NBA bubble bursts. Like he believes that the NBA is on shaky financial terms with viewership down and, you know, streaming. Uh, Nobody watched cable anymore that stuff all affecting it. And he thinks that there is a sort of bubble that has been building up and that Mark Cuban thinks that is going to burst, you know, actually uh, someone else had this, uh, what's his name? Um, Someone else said this, whatever. So that, that could be the case too. I've always kind of disagreed with Aiden on that point. I think the NBA is, is gaining in popularity, if anything. Um, and I feel like they will find ways to like earn revenue from the increasing popularity on social media and whatever else it might be. But it's definitely a possibility. 
um, because there's this big TV deal coming up in 2025 and mm-hmm. maybe it's not what everyone thinks it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be the huge uh, telltale, right? Like once we know the details of that deal, which way it's going. I mean, I was watching this thing with Stephen A. Smith, but he was talking about this very thing in terms of like, you know, at ESPN, how like the NFL is number one, but the NBA is next. And that they have and continue to figure out ways to generate revenue from a combination of, you know, cable, but also streaming. And, you know, they've, you know, they're figuring out more and more how to utilize like social media for profits and things of that nature. So he felt like things would balance out. Um, So that's just a little tidbit there from a executive producer of sorts. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way, but um, I don't know how economics works either, so I'm not going to pretend <laughs> to. Like, I, I can barely do my taxes. This is not an economics podcast, absolutely. Yeah, like, who knows? Yeah. Um, with that, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment. So, you know, this team has been very hot and cold. You know, we're recording this on Thursday after our very nice win against the Phoenix Suns, you know, but that, you know, follows a a disappointing loss to the Nets and so on and so forth. Um, I feel like fans are kind of on different ends of the spectrum in terms of being like optimistic or frustrated with the team or a bit of both. I sent you an article. I'm just trying to pull it up here. I have too many things, too many tabs open. Um, about uh, basically, this is an opinion piece about the Raptors, you know, realizing that it's difficult to win playing this bench. Um, they kind of compare it to Nick Nurse last year, how Nick Nurse had to play the starters so much to the point where they burnt out towards the end of the season in order to be competitive. Um, You know, it kind of comes to this idea of like, you know, some people feel like this might be a wasted season. I don't personally feel that way at all. Um, But like, for example, like Will Lou during the, I believe this was the Nets game. Will Lou. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, (laughs) he said, not going to lie. This looks a lot like last year's team and how little they're playing together. If this is how it goes, what's even the point. But then we have these flashes where they play together really, really well. What do you make of this? It's, it's honestly really hard to read um, in terms of that up and down play. Like young teams are inconsistent. So I think there's some of that going on. It's it's natural to show up one night and not show up the other night. Um, but we need to stop as a Raptors community taking every game as an indictment on the season and the franchise. Because I just think we need to be patient and, and give Darko specifically some time here. Like, I told, I was really frustrated during that loss to the Brooklyn Nets like Will said like there was no ball movement no playing together that stuff but then the next night against Phoenix you see phenomenal ball movement quick decisions all over the place tons of passing um so 
you know, I think we just need to give it a little bit more time before we can definitively say, like, is this like last year or is it different enough? You know, in terms of the minutes thing, like, I will push back on that for sure. I don't think this is Nick Nurse at all. Um, you know, the highest minutes per game guy is Scotty at 34. That's lower than a lot of other teams top guy. And you look down the list, you know, there's 11 players playing at least 12 minutes a game. I think their they- um, their point was like, that's what Nick Nurse had to do to win in it kind of implying that that's what this team would have to do in order to win, which I, yeah, don't I, I would push that. back on that though, because look, like you wanted to ask me about Darko too. This team is, is a 500 team. Last year's team was a 500 team, but they are going about it in different ways. And that's the primary example. Like this team is playing their bench a lot more and they're not kind of gaming out these wins by just riding Fred and Pascal 40 mm-hmm. minutes a game. Like they're, mm-hmm. They're winning based on not necessarily like based on everyone contributing, but everyone is playing and they're winning the same amount of games. So in that sense, I think it's different. But um, yeah, I don't know if you want to get into Darko, but I I think like. I like him like I, I just think. Anytime you get a new coach, you got to give it some time. You can't judge it after like 18 games or whatever. Um, I don't think it's fair, but I like him because a there's a real focus, obviously, on like relationship building. And I thought that's what they had to go get when they fired Nick in mm-hmm. terms of a coach who's going to relate to the younger generation and who's going to make a point to build relationships and therefore get buy in from these guys and, you know, trust these guys to make mistakes. And Malachi Flynn is obviously the best example of, of a guy who has been trusted. And now he's actually playing by far the best basketball of his career. So I like that. And then B like the offense, I think is dramatically different from last year, even if the results haven't been as good or good. Um, you know, last year, again, they gamed out wins by riding Fred and Pascal two-man actions or whatever it might be. This year, I just feel like there's a lot more variety in the offense, and it doesn't always result in points, but there is a lot more versatility in, in the types of actions that they're doing, the, the different looks that guys are getting, like more guys just getting more shots, more guys playing, and I think that is going to pay dividends down the road. Um so I like the offensive process a lot. Some games it doesn't look good at all. And and for whatever reasons, they kind of fall back in their old ways, like against Brooklyn. But you kind of expect that. Like, this is a coach that's had them for like 18 games. Like, I don't think we are going to expect every night they're going to drill like all of his philosophies to a T. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it feels different enough. You know, the roster is not doesn't make sense still, but um, all these things that I talked about, they'll still pay dividends down the road when you do kind of even out the roster and and it makes a little bit more sense. I think all these philosophies are going to carry over. Right. I mean, I, I completely agree with you when it comes to Darko. Like, I feel like we absolutely needed relationship building on this team. 
I feel like he does deserve more time with this team. Absolutely. Um, the only thing that I would maybe like push back on a little bit is the idea that this is like a quote unquote young team because they like are and they're not. You know what I mean? Because you have Dennis Schroeder, you have Pascal Siakam, you have OG Ananobi, like you have these like, you know, vets yeah. mm -hmm. on the team with a lot of experience. And I feel like one thing, tell me if you disagree, I feel like is a bit lacking is that like, who's the vocal leader on this team? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, like, obviously, like, you know, Scotty's going to become like our number one. And there's this sort of like, you know, 1A, 1B situation between him and Pascal right now. But I don't feel like either of them are like strong vocal leaders. And I yeah. feel like this team is missing that. I think it's a good point. I think to answer the question, you know, Dennis Schroeder is probably their most vocal leader. He he likes to talk. But um, right. I was reading something recently. I, I hope I'll remember what it was. But I think it's. Oh, I think it was about Steve Nash. And it was saying, like, it helps so much when your best player is also your vocal leader. Right. So, yeah, like, until Scotty is that guy, um, I don't think they're going to reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. But he's not going to be that guy. He's 22. He's a kid. Like, we see the quotes. Like, he's a kid still. So he's going to have to do a little bit of growing up before he becomes that guy, if he ever does. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily, like, a huge problem on this team um yet but yeah it's it's it, it's maybe too early to say still yeah that's fair um the raptors are continuously in a in trade rumors uh it's constant i feel like as a raptors fan it's pretty frustrating uh to every week it feels like there's a new raptor in trades talks um the latest is that the atlanta hawks are interested i feel like the hawks are kind of interesting because they're also a team that's sort of like stuck in the middle and not sure which direction they're gonna go in obviously i think they have a bit of more of a win now pressure with trey young there um but there was rumors that you know there were talks between you know you know, of a trade between Pascal Siakam and DeJounte Murray, although DeJounte Murray then signed an extension and he can't be traded until at least January 6th. Do you think this team is going to make a move? Do you find these rumors frustrating? Where are you at? I definitely find it frustrating when people see like these rumors about like the Raptors are worried that OGN and Obi is going to sign a short-term deal for more money than whatever and it's like if it's something like that where you're saying the raptors are worried that insinuates that you have inside information from the raptors mm -hmm. and i just don't buy that you know if you're mm -hmm. telling me you have inside information from the hawks that they're interested in siakam sure like the hawks might talk we know the raptors don't really talk so those rumors definitely frustrate me it frustrates me when fans prematurely kill the team for like losing Pascal or OG for nothing in free agency before it happens because we lost Fred. And so people kind of just assume that we're going to lose another one of these guys. Like if that happens, that's horrible. And we can criticize them then. Well, we lost right. more than just Fred in fairness to, in fairness to them. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah, sure. Um, But 
in terms of like, do I think they'll make a move? Yeah, I, I think um, a lot can change in between now and February, like good or bad. This team could start playing really well with Siakam and, and they could start winning a lot of games and that can make their decision a lot easier to keep him. But I think more likely they hover around 500, realize that their window for winning isn't the next couple of years. And yeah, a Siakam trade would not surprise me at all. Right. I feel like one thing that makes it so frustrating is like, cause they've been happening for so long that I think like there's, you know, one side of the fan base that's like, just do it already. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the blow it up narrative is this just like, just do it already thing. And then there's like another side of the fandom that's like, well, of course they want Siakam. Like every team in the league wants what we have because who we have are so great Right. And like, of course, they're, you know, worthy assets and things like that. And like, stop trying to trade our guys away all the time. You know, I, I think like just the chatter around it is frustrating. But I, but again, like it just feels like every week it happens. Like I remember like last year, like leading up to that trade deadline, we felt it, it felt almost certain that the Raptors were going to make huge moves. And then it just ended up being like Yaka Pertle and a draft pick. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, you can't read the front office very well, but I think this year is different than last year because OG and Siakam just have a different level of trade value than Fred did, Mm -hmm. quite simply, and they're both free agents. So they actually have to pick a direction now. Like, either you pay both of those guys and you put a lot of money into the short-term future of this team and basically say like we're trying to win now or you trade one of those guys and hint at no like we are we're slow playing this and we're okay to do that and I, I think that's more likely but I'm I'm definitely not pretending to know what this front office is doing mm-hmm. yeah and then also Gary Trent Jr. is in that mix as well and yeah, yeah. things are definitely going to be go ahead he, Sorry, he falls like more into the Fred camp, though, I think, where if they lose him for nothing, it's not going to be like the end of the world because his trade value probably isn't that great right now. So I'm less concerned about what happens with him than the other guys. Yeah, that's more than fair. He has definitely struggled this season, although he has flashes of like the old Gary. So yeah, last couple of games, he's been yeah. Good. So hoping he picks it up. Um, okay, let's move on to our hottie highlight of the week, and I'm giving this to Grady Dick for reasons not related to any puns. Believe it or not, uh, I'm giving this to Grady Dick because he moved to the 905, and he actually opened up about his struggles in the beginning of his NBA career. Uh, He said, quote, it's been a whirlwind. There's a lot going on. But at the same time, I go back to taking advice from my family and the people in my corner of just keeping my head down, my head on my shoulders and not letting the business get to me. Uh, He goes on to say, you get stuck on social media and that's probably the worst thing you can do. You've got to stay with your team, your coaches, fan base and your family because 
because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Uh, his G League debut did not go well. He was one of 12 for shooting. He went one for 12 uh, and 0 for 6 from 3. Uh, his second game, he scored 22 points, but it was on 5 of 21 and 3 of 12. So he scored more, but it was inefficient shooting he did uh hit all of his free throws which were a total of seven i personally am giving him the hottie highlight of the week because i really appreciate him opening up about it i always appreciate mm -hmm. people who are just kind of honest and frank in that way like look it's been hard leaning on my family staying off of social media that's absolutely the thing to do uh i think we're all rooting for him to like find his shot and things like that. But I just really, really appreciate how candid he's been. I, I feel like you rarely see that from a rookie or from players in general. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Um, if anything, like the longer guys are in the league, the less likely they are to open up in some ways. So, but at the same time, you don't see it from a rookie often. So yeah, it's nice. It's nice to hear him say that. Um, you know, it's hard for sure for these rookies because they're getting compared to all these other guys in their draft class who might have went behind them. And and you see Raptors fans going like, oh, why didn't we take this guy? Oh, why? and it's like 20 games into a 19 year old season. It's completely unfair, but it, it happens constantly. And he sees it, of course. So um, it must be really hard to struggle and to see your name constantly criticized and compared to guys who are playing well. But at the same time, like as Raptors fans, we definitely need to remember that judging a 19 year old off of his first 10 games in the NBA is just a silly exercise. Mm -hmm. And um, I also think the G League is like Grady is not he's not one of these ball dominant guys. So he's always going to look better besides better players. Right. He, he's a guy who accentuates. He's a play finisher. He accentuates guys. He's not a setup guy or, or a guy who's going to necessarily like raise your floor a ton. So I think in that way, it's it's a little bit hard for him in the G League playing with. Also, they have all these injuries, like playing with a bunch of guys who aren't necessarily finding him in his spots. So. I, I think like it's fine to play him there to get him as many reps as possible and, and for him to like fight through the struggles but it, it would also be unfair to to expect him to go there and kill it so yeah i mean i'm not worried about grady i don't know about you um i'm not worried i mean like we talked about malachi flynn earlier on this show and you know he really struggled in his first you know season seasons two seasons yeah, and uh you know i i feel like yes like he you know the coach wasn't really giving him a fair shot arguably and uh i don't disagree but also like it takes a while to adjust to nba life he's also not like a top draft pick per se like we drafted him 13. yeah so, so I, I mean, like, I feel like people need to manage their expectations. I think he had a lot of hype around him because of his name, because of the jacket, because of his image that maybe people just expected more from him because you usually don't see that much hype around a rookie of his stature. 
And maybe yeah. that like messed with people's expectations a bit. Maybe it even messed with his own a little bit. But I feel like ultimately this will be good. Like I'm I feel like years past, you know, the Raptors were obviously known for development. I feel like with the new coaching staff, we're trying to get back to that. We're trying to get back to being known for being a really good development team. And so I hope that he can thrive under a new system. Yeah. What are you looking, looking up, Warren? I'm just looking up Jamie Hawkes, the the Heat player who like we often see Grady compared to, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, he spent like four years at UCLA before coming to the NBA and he's three years older than Grady. So I just think when we make these comparisons, like, yeah, Grady's not playing very well. And and I think it's really easy to go like, I'm not even worried about how Grady's playing, but I even will go like, Ooh, but this guy's playing really well. And this guy's playing really well. This guy looks good, but you know, every situation is different. And also comparing him to like upperclassmen, it just doesn't really make sense if you draft a rookie or, or, you know, yeah, a rookie out of, out of college, you kind of expect it to take some time for them to really thrive in the NBA. Scotty Barnes is obviously like a rare, rare example. So um, we'll see. Only time can tell with these things, you know, fit wise, it seems like he would be a good fit. Theoretically, the start of his NBA career has definitely been discouraging, but um, I don't know, like, Let's talk at the end of the season and and make some decisions about Grady then, maybe. Yeah, I agree. Um, he deserves more time. Also, too, like, the draft is such a crapshoot. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, you always see people trying to redraft years past. And that's because people don't always get it right. You know, like, it's rare that, like, you know, one, two, three, four, five end up being like, yeah, that's how we would draft it years later. Like yeah. that almost never happens. No, exactly. And the Raptors have had misses recently, but like I wrote about this recently too, is like you draft the 2021 draft again right now. And Scotty Barnes probably goes first. Yeah. So we have to also acknowledge their, their hits. If we're going to like constantly Absolutely. criticize the misses, you know? Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Um, Oren, thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, let us know what you're up to and where people can find you on the internets. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always fun to talk. Um, I'm up to, I'm just nursing these injuries, you know? No. Yeah. How's your um, thing? Did it hold up? Like, has it, yeah, has it held. Your it makeshift band aid was successful. The listeners want to know. For now, for now, it's okay. But I don't, I don't know what I'm. I can't leave the house like this. So. I think you should leave the house like that, and you should walk to your nearest drugstore and buy yourself I have, band-aids. Yeah, I have a limp too, so just like walking down the house with this okay, and like, a limp. Listen, you can, you can Uber eats it now. You know what I mean? Like, I can Uber got, eats bandages. I'm pretty sure you can. Yeah, I bet you can, but I. I just am very stubborn and would never do that. I'm no, sure. I'm not suggesting you should. I meant like if yeah. you can't walk. Oh, no, I could walk. It would just kind of look embarrassing. But, <laughs> Especially uh, with the thumb thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, um, I I will have a piece tomorrow at sportsnet.ca about, sorry, Friday, I guess, when this comes out at sportsnet.ca yeah. about um, 
the Miami University women's basketball team where four Canadians have teamed up. So it was kind of a cool st- story oh, there. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, that's that's really what I've been working on right now. And uh, otherwise, you can find me at Warren Weisfeld on Twitter. And that's about it. Amazing. Uh, thanks again. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will catch you next time. Bye.